Welcome back to Meet the Creatives. That is the sound of a beer can. Uh, Andrew and I have just decided that uh, I was kind of in the mood for a beer, and uh, his girlfriend just asked him for one, so we're going to do that. Meet the Creatives is a slam and good time. Uh, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've been a big fan of your work for a, a long time now. I use uh, True Grit. Um, if I had the money, I'd buy like all of them. So you know, we'll we'll talk after the podcast and work this out. But uh, oh, we can hook you up with that. <laughs> But uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate this. And, uh, and cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Tell me like a little bit about your story. I, I used to kind of try and like just like go on someone's like LinkedIn. And I found that a lot of times people are the best at telling their own story. So yeah. So tell me about your journey. And uh, I'm super pumped to hear it. I studied business at university. So business and tourism as a major, it was, I mean, to be honest, it was just... It seemed like a great idea at the time. I had this, uh, I had a great careers advisor in high school and um, he, he was my basketball coach and he unfortunately passed away uh, on the job one day while visiting wow. a student out on work experience. And he was, he was an amazing guy and he had kind of always said to me like, go and study art, go and study design blah, 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 and um, I was always going to do that. I loved doing it. Like, that was kind of what I lived for at school. And then after he passed away, um, we we got this new careers advisor and, you know, it was a small kind of coastal um, town, you know, and, and unemployment's a big concern in those places. And this yeah. teacher was just like, she kind of pulled me and my parents aside and was just like, uh, you know, don't don't study graphic design or art or anything. You'll never get a job. Everyone's trying to do it right now. It's right. like, you know, and she had no idea, like, whether I had a talent for it or mm-hmm. whether it even interested me or, or what. But it was just that classic, like, like uh, she was just a real a real bummer, basically. And yeah. and it kind of it convinced me to change my career. And like at the same time, I was like obsessed with snowboarding. And just wanted to kind of travel the world and like I had an interest in marketing and business. Um, I kind of like did like, uh, you know, a high level business major in high school. And um, so I was really interested in that anyway. And it just seemed like a good idea at the time. And it kind of, I mean, I'm sure it helped me out in many ways and it definitely helped me see the world and, um, uh, you know, I got to go to university in the UK and, um, it, like it really opened my eyes to a lot of different things, but like I, through doing that, I met a lot of like art majors when I went to university in the UK and it just like always in the back of my mind, I was like, Oh man, I'm missing out here. Yeah. Like this, this doesn't a hundred percent feel right. And then once I graduated and I, I kind of like, I went and worked for a, a snowboard travel company. And it was kind of fun, but like I basically hated it. Like yeah. it just, I was like, I like I wanted to be working in the studio upstairs with the graphic designer, like building the website and doing the catalog. I I didn't want to be doing the day to day marketing and sales stuff. And I kind of realized that and just quit and like moved to Canada and went snowboarding for two years and reassessed <laughs> what I was doing. So yeah, that time off can be really good. Who knows what would have happened? I mean, I'm totally, totally happy with the way it all turned out. But, you know, like if I had actually gone straight from high school to study art and design at college, 
maybe I would have hated it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have just like ended up smoking tons of drugs and playing in bands <laughs> and like yeah. ending up doing something else entirely. Who knows? So, I mean, it, it kind of worked out in that eventually I was like, uh, you know what? I'm going to go back and study again and do some short courses and just like yeah. try and teach myself even how to use Photoshop and Illustrator and you know, go back to starting to draw again and maybe learn to become a commercial illustrator. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't even realize, like, even back in high school, like, what I thought a graphic designer did for the most part was partly, like, an illustrator. Like, I I thought graphic designers were illustrators, which I'm old. (laughs) So, you know, in the 90s, like, graphic designers had to be illustrators back then to a certain extent. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I was partly right. Um, but I guess, you know, in the meantime, between me studying um, business and then getting back into graphic design, the whole world changed with desktop publishing and yeah. um, digital typesetting and all that kind of thing. So um, I kind of – I think I actually got into it at a really good time because if I, if I had gone and studied design earlier – everything would have been by hand. I would have been using bromide cameras and cut and paste and all of that sort of thing and then come out of university with absolutely no desktop publishing or computer skills whatsoever, which, you know, I, I, I have friends who are a little bit older than me who did that and they came out and was like, oh, man, we just spent, like, a fortune going to college and the whole world has changed in the last three years. And right. We we basically got to go back to scratch. They did learn some really you know great fundamentals of design and composition and typography, but right, it's all going to change anyway. Changed as well, so it's the great test of like what should I be doing? What should I be pursuing? Or you know working towards? And I think some people get hung up on like, oh, but I don't have that money, and I I, I can't just go and do that. But you you can. It just like I think. I say this to students all the time. It's like, hurry up and wait. Like, do not expect it to happen straight away. It is, it's a slow burn and you're not going to expect, or you're not going to experience like this rapid change in your skill level or, um, you know, instantly just turning a corner, bang, you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. It, It does take time and you have to work towards it, but it's always good to have that in the back of your mind, like which direction you want to go in and also like not get too distracted by whatever the latest thing is that you think, you know, like other people's doing success. that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Oh, a hundred percent. Like it's like, don't worry about what the hell other people are doing. Just worry about yourself because with social media and, blogs and Tumblr and Pinterest and design inspiration and dribble and all of that stuff. Yeah. If you just look around at what people are doing, that's super hot right now, you'll never get anywhere. Yeah. Um, Cause there's, there's everything's hot right now. Like there's so many things and so many little niches right. that people can sort of um, dig their fingers into that. If you tried to follow them all, you'd yeah. even lose your you never get anywhere. Uh, I know that we, that uh, we talked a while back 
um, probably almost like a year ago, I feel like, maybe like six months ago, whatever it was, I'm like the worst of time. Like things will, like, you know, all think things were yesterday and they were like three years ago. When I found your work, specifically your work, um, I remember almost it was like disheartening because I was starting to kind of get my own design sensibilities and, uh, and I was like, I love this kind of like designing in this sort of sci-fi, like psychedelic weird space. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to pursue that. And then I found your work and I was like, oh, like I'm a fucking loser. <laughs> like I'm not going to be able to do that. And now as, I, as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm now starting to realize that that's the rep, like your representation of, of like your innermost ideas and like, and like your thing. And I used to see like, I would see your work or the work of other illustrators and other designers and be kind of like disheartened. But now I'm starting to realize like what I'm good at. And I think that like I, I want to do with Meet the Creatives what you do like with your thing. So it's like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm never going to make my work look just like your work. But like you're a killer and I could be a killer in like my own regard kind of thing. Rather than trying to always like, you know, mimic someone or yeah. try and emulate someone. Like I'm not going to be Andrew, but I could be the best Rob that I can be. And then people will look at me and think that that's awesome. Did yeah, you, that's right. Yeah. Did you have any, anyone along your way that you kind of saw and like you either wanted to emulate them or for a little bit you kind of like were influenced by their style or do you kind of just go your own way? Because your work is very unique. Um, I think that's it's funny that you say that but because <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that. But um, uh I mean, yes and no. Like, yeah, I, I think what you say is right in that, like, like I always loved guys like Art Chantry and 90s cut, paste, destroy, photocopy, yeah. um, you know, stuff. mashups of old, you know, old 1950s and 60s uh, clip art and spot illustration and all that sort of stuff. So, my favorite. you know, like, I, I think it. a really long time ago, definitely like that, I was like, oh man, if I could just you know, replicate that, like, I'm going to try and work in that style and see what, like, see what happens. And I mean, really, like, a lot of it came from doing work on snowboard graphics and stuff like that, where, you know, I would just try and create something in that kind of style, but I could never, I could never really find the types of clip art and old vintage stuff that I wanted to put into those graphics. And I was just like, well, I just need to, like, start drawing again and relearn to illustrate in that classic old sort of 50s advertising yeah. pen and ink style. I want to be able to do that so bad. That's like my, my bucket list is to be able to like do that style. But I don't know. I guess you kind of have to yeah. start from square one though. Like you said, like you had to actually like start drawing again. Well, how old are you when, when that happened? Oh, I'm like... Late twenties. Oh, that's awesome! Early, I got time. Early thirties. <laughs> early thirties. No, like, yeah, like early, early thirties. Yeah. That gives so, me so much hope. <laughs> yeah. Like I used to draw a lot when I was a kid, um, and then just through you know doing the wrong thing at university, and then going back and and focusing more on design. I didn't draw as much, and then just over time, I mean, like essentially to go back to what I was saying, like my obsession was like texture and nostalgia and that kind of getting that vintage look into my work. Um, and that was what I was obsessed with. And then 
you know, through trying to pull in all these different influences and references and stuff like that and then just the natural way that you draw and design and work, it just eventually becomes your own. Yeah. Um, it's almost like your, your failed attempts to be other people or emulate other things will then kind of show you who you are, if that makes any right. sense. Yeah, you'll just, you, you'll just uh, you know, figure out exactly what you're good at. And um, no matter how hard you try to emulate someone else, at the end of the day, it's still going to look like you drew it because you have X amount of years of your own influences and inspiration and just muscle memory and ways of doing things in Photoshop and Illustrator that just that all feeds into the final result. One of the things that I'm really big on, and I would assume that you are too, since you're like really into the vintage thing, is uh, like Flickr. I know like some people like Pinterest. People are gonna think that I'm sponsored by them. I'm not sponsored by them. I hate Yahoo, but I love Flickr. Flickr has yeah. like the, the, uh, the I'm, are you on that too, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I That's where like the time. good shit is. That's where like the old, oh, yeah. weird, creepy, like if you wanna get like, you know. Anyway, but, um, I've found that like when I'm searching for inspiration, uh, that kind of like digging through the archives in the digital sense starts to become really fun when you get like weird with what you're searching for. And then that somehow influences your work. Like I love like looking at pictures of like old tacky, like, hotels that look like The Shining and like advertisements from like the 50s and the 40s and just like keep going deeper and deeper, weirder and weirder. And sometimes it can be kind of psychedelic. Sometimes it can be kind of like delightfully tacky and outdated, which I think that we probably feel very similar. Like I, I love vintage. I think that like tackiness is missing in design a little bit. It's very like refined and dialed back a lot. But, um, where do you find inspiration? Like, where do you look? <laughs> I, I do look at Flickr. Um, like, Flickr is an amazing community of, or it has an amazing community of just people who are obsessed with vintage ephemera and old magazines, like super quirky, weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, that. Do you follow James he, Vaughn? That's the dude right yes. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, shout great. out to James Vaughn. I got to get him on the podcast. I don't, yeah, he might yeah. be a weirdo, but who knows? We'll find out. He, he is incredible. Um, yeah, all that atomic yeah, age weird shit. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great way to go and, like, I really, I mean, I love going to vintage stores and, like, I really love living in Los Angeles now because there's so many great, like, I mean, California in general or the U.S. in general is just, compared to Australia, um, you like know, there's an extra three, <laughs> 300 million people. yeah. Um, who are throwing stuff out um, that ends up in thrift stores and junk shops and all that sort of stuff. So, like, I, I definitely love digging through some of that old stuff. I think you can find some really weird old um, magazines and comic books and just boxes of people's old photos and just there's just so much strange stuff yeah. out there. But like Flickr, I think is is probably the the best place to go and do a, a yeah. deep dive into that stuff in a more curated way. Yeah. For sure. So well, it feels kind of like, weird because you feel like you're like, you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. Does that oh, totally. 
You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, mm, maybe this is from someone's photo album, but we're here. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's really bizarre. It's bizarre. It, it, it feels, to me, it feels like a warm hug going through all that, all that yes. old stuff. Yes. And a lot of that comes down to, like, my grandfather, he used to, he just had this, like, this outhouse that was full of old newspapers and magazines like Time Life and um, even just like old 1950s Australian newspapers and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know why. I would, I mean, you know, like you're eight years old and you're hanging out at your grandparents' place and you're bored out of your mind. Right. Not a lot to do. So I would just go like, through my grandfather's garage and his outhouse and his shed, like looking, digging through all of this old stuff that like it was obviously old memory. It was memories for him, right? Right. For me, it was just like this look back in history. And I kind of like, it's weird. Like I I really love uh, the AMC series, Mad Men. Me too. And I, I mean, I have watched that thing. Fuck this whole podcast. Let's talk about Mad Men. Let's go. Oh my god! Yeah, like start. I mean, there's there are plenty of Mad Men podcasts, yeah. but um, I I can just like that to me. That's like one of my favorite things to do. If I've been working late, I finish working. It's one a.m. There's no way I'm going to try and go to sleep. I will sit down and watch a couple of episodes of Mad Men, and it's so comforting. And I think that it comes back to all those years that I spent going through my grandfather's garage. Yeah. Look, at all of this old stuff it just like it i feel i feel like i was there sometimes and the town that i grew up in you're freaking like, me out i feel the same way just keep going yeah, yeah. i feel I, the exact same way i think that's i i mean i guarantee that that is i'm, I'm sure there are um uh, academics who have studied this stuff and they they understand what it is about nostalgia that appeals to people but i think for me it's it like the town that I grew up in, it was stuck in the fifties and sixties. Right. And so like, you know, North coast Australia in the late eighties to me, it like, it feels like the late sixties and early seventies. Um, and that's, I think that's why that era, that kind of madman era, um, there was always all this advertising stuff laying around. So to me, you know, and then having worked in that agency, there's just something about it that just kind of feels ironically comfortable because ad agencies are not comfortable places to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, for sure. I had that same thing. Like, um, and it was, you know, it got real weird because I, I became obsessed with Mad Men. Bro, I think we were, I think we were like in like another life we like knew each other because I feel like the exact same way about this stuff. Um, the exact same thing you just described was uh my grandparents house in Sudbury Massachusetts they were very um they I think they only recently kind of got a little bit more modern but growing up there was always like very like tacky wallpaper and like just very like old school like mid-century modern like tacky but it was like for whatever reason I just have such a deep affinity with stuff like that. And I think it's because it like reminds me of like simpler times. Like, and then I had a real, like, you know, then it got like, so I had all that and I found Flickr and like, I started mad men kind of brought up some of those memories. And then I started watching like, uh, 
old home videos uh, mm. of those oh, times. Yeah. And like my dad showing up with like Dunkin' Donuts back when like Dunkin' Donuts used to be awesome and just like the box, like opening the box and like breakfast at their house and just, and I remember like they had the same kind of thing. Like uh, my, my grandma was the same way. She collected stuff and I would always be going through all that old stuff and they had like, like lava lamps and everything like that. I'm a very, I'm a yeah. very nostalgic person. I think that that's why, um, that's why your work kind of speaks to me so much. It's, it, it feels like design back then was, there was more craft to it. There wasn't as much mass production. Um, it feels a little purer. And in that sense, like it, um, there's an honesty to it. Yeah. And I think with like bringing that nostalgic tone into visual work, um, that's an attempt to bring that honesty and warmth uh, that a lot of, you know, like super shiny 3D work just doesn't have that, you know. Right, uh, yeah. As, as incredible as it is, um, to me, that just doesn't personally speak to me. All right, so uh, True Grit Texture Supply is a great resource for uh, designers where they can find textures and, uh, you know, like Photoshop brushes and things, you know, vector-based. Um, I use it all, all the time. I love it. Um, so how did that come to be? Um, you know, where can people find it and everything, obviously, but, um, what made you want to do that? I know that that is within your work, but, uh, when did you decide that you kind of wanted to make it a product and make it available to designers? Um, what well, kind of started with, uh, Skillshare approached me to teach a class, um, kind of based on my illustration style and, we, uh, we came up with the idea of teaching sort of old school analog um, texture production techniques. So, you know, uh, handmade stuff with photocopies and ink and brush and pens and concrete and all that sort of stuff, scanning it in, processing for, for use in Photoshop digitally. Um, and that really took off, um, much to my surprise, like it really gained a big following really quickly and a lot of the students would ask me like oh do you like do you have a sell any of your textures or photoshop brushes or anything like that and i damn all that I sort of <laughs> yeah i like i'd kind of had in the back of my mind that i did want to set up some kind of business on the side whether that being like maybe focusing a bit more on gig posters for sale or um, maybe doing some more Skillshare classes or something like that just to kind of have this little revenue stream on the side. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I'll set up some texture packs. And once I started doing it, I was like, oh man, I really like, I've got a lot of stuff here that I can even just rework to help my own production workflow. Right. Hold yourself um, accountable kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and I started like refining some of those and building some of the processes that I had for making halftones and stuff into like brush sets and that kind of thing. I was like, oh man, I've got to, I've got to make these into packs and and actually um, sell a few of these things because I started using them. I was like, man, this is like a total game changer. And some things I'd sort of had laying around for a long time that I knew were super helpful to me, but I just. I hadn't got to the point where I thought maybe I should be sharing these with the world and right. helping other people out with them. And yeah, just kind of one thing led to another and I thought like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And, um, it just kind of took off and like the feedback was incredible, like right from the start. And, um, yeah, really, you know, I, I um, 
uh, sales were really good from the get-go and um, it just kind of, I mean, above all else, it was kind of enjoyable and it was good to do something a little bit differently and uh, a little bit different and get your head into a different space and think about things a little bit more like just from an efficiency point of view um, of how you can uh, create textures and brushes that really speed up the process a little bit more. So, I mean, just in my personal work, it really helped in that respect, but also being able to share that with other people um, has also been really interesting and just like, it's kind of nice, you know, I get like a lot of emails from people like, man, I would never have figured out how to do this any other way or... That's how I feel, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like this really saved my saved my ass on this particular project. It saved me hours and hours and hours of work and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's uh, that's that's kind of it. That's how it, it rolled out. And as a result of that, it's just kind of, you know, I, I think of it totally bombed, I, I probably would not still be doing it. Um, <laughs> You're not expecting the responsibility, right? That's how I feel about this yeah, podcast. I, I wasn't expecting I mean, anyone to pay attention. Yeah, you know, like I, I would – I'm sure I would continue to do it a little bit, but probably not put as much time as it, and effort as I do into it now, you know? Yeah, So, for sure. And also, I just kind of wanted to do it differently. I wanted to, I mean, there's a, look, there's, at the end of the day, there is tons of stuff out there similar to what I'm doing. But most of it, to me, feels really hacky. And yeah. a lot of it is made by people who, you know, you look at their personal work, it's like, dude, you have, you have no tech. <laughs> in your work like you are not doing this well and you've just kind of this is a marketing or this is a money-making opportunity for you and i don't as much as that's an amazing benefit of it i kind of wanted to do it on my own terms and make sure that it was just a little bit cooler and more useful more helpful um you know really good installation guides good tutorials that go along with it and yeah, you do an excellent like, job of that, man, really. I mean, like, I think that you can tell that there's a lot of love in your work. Like, when you get – because just to be – like, just to be, like, forthcoming, like, when I got it, I was, like, you know, look, looking – and not that they're, like, you know – at the time, I was in college and, like, a pro college student, so it's not like they're, like, astronomically priced or anything. But I was looking at it, and I was, like, man, like, okay, this better be, like, this better be legit. You have tutorials. You have like examples of, of like, you know, like the different ones, like thumbnails and stuff like that. You do so much more than, than is necessary. So, um, you know, not that my endorsement means anything, but if uh, people are looking to kind of add some texture and, you know, I think that, that your product line has definitely gotten bigger. So it's not just like texture, but uh, yeah, man, you're doing an amazing job. Please don't ever stop. I'm always like looking forward for like the next thing that comes out and, the next evolution of it. So it's a great job. And I think for, um, for people that are looking to kind of give their work some new life or, or to kind of add, you know, add something to, to their composition, I think it's awesome. So thank you. It's, it's definitely been fun. And like, there's just, you know, there's tons of free stuff out there. I mean, it's just a lot of it is just not built for professionals or for people who like aspire to make great gig posters or make great uh editorial illustration or screen printing or whatever it's kind of like i kind of want to do stuff for the guys that do want to go and work for like a big streetwear label and like they aspire to do that kind of work not just someone who's like 
oh, I want to put some retro effects on that little logo for the office Christmas party. And like, right. that's not really as much as they, yeah, I'm sure it gets used for that kind of stuff. It's not like, those are not your intentions. Me, yeah. For me, you've got to like, you've got to make stuff to work for pros first yeah. and then everything else falls into line. Um, make it really user friendly, but make sure that the guy who is like, on deadline with a huge ad campaign for a multinational beer brand or whatever can yeah. like use these things to really punch out an amazing piece of work. So yeah, that's the, for sure. That's it's, it's just like, it's like ready to go. And that's what I like about it. It's, it's ready to go. It's easy to use. And I'm never like having a moment where I'm trying to like, tr I've never had to troubleshoot using it. So it's really good. One of the, the things that I've learned, over the course of uh, my journey, whether it be with this podcast or in my own journey as a designer and aspiring illustrator, um, which is something I did not used to say until I interviewed like 15 people from Handsome Frank and now, you know, you and everybody else. Uh, with that being said, I one of the biggest takeaways that I've learned is that you could take the color palettes from the best illustrators. You can take uh, the texture, you know, the packages that you create with your grit and everything like that. But at the end of the day, like your hand is your hand and the design that you make is, is from within and is based off of, like we said earlier, you know, technical skills, composition, all that comes into play. What should you start with? Uh, I think it's really different for, it depends on, on the illustrator. I mean, for me, um, you know, I'm not, my mantra a little bit is like slow design don't rush it like it things take time like it and i think that goes for like gaining new skills too it, it really um it really takes a while for things to seep in and for that connection between your brain and your hand or your mouse or whatever um to develop and that goes for observation as well. Like I think people um, looking to um, maybe put that sort of authentic nostalgia or texture or whatever into their work, um, you have to you have to be a great observer. And sometimes that means like going to thrift shops and right. like digging through old ephemera and really observing. Expanding your visual what, vocabulary kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not just like what Photoshop filter can I use to make something look old or can I just like slap a texture over the top of something? It, it is about observation and really thinking about it and just trying lots of different things. But, um, totally. I mean, I think in terms of style, I, I don't know. I, I think people need to, I think that's a personal journey to a certain extent. Um, I do get asked a lot by, uh, yeah, students and graduates and aspiring illustrators sometimes in a really sometimes in a really demanding way which is interesting like teach me all of your ways tell me how to rip off your work like it's so insane the questions people will ask you sometimes yeah. but um i think you know partly because i do share so much of my process in terms of um textures with my Skillshare class and then through True Grit Texture Supply, I don't share a lot of information about how I learnt to illustrate the way I did, other than it just takes time. Like, again, like, I think people need to kind of find what really interests them and be observant and be curious 
and just try stuff over and over and over again. Um, I guess my, like to a certain extent, um, my sort of more traditional pen and ink style of illustration, um, even though it's done digitally for the most part, um, in Photoshop, uh, I kind of learned that through looking at old 1950s um, illustration course books um, and buying, I don't know if you've heard of this, called Crap Hound Zine. No. Uh, just like a beautifully laid out collection of old vintage clip art oh that's curated into these. Uh, yeah, <laughs> given given our, you know, very long chat about nostalgia, yes. uh, visual nostalgia before you will literally lose your mind when you discover these things. They are sold out. Like I have to warn you, like yeah. buying, trying to buy these things on eBay, it's probably going to cost you a little bit of money. But okay. um, it it's it's so awesome. I'm going to um, ball out one day. Oh, the famous! It's called the Famous Artists Cartoon Course, okay. and there's also like a Famous Artists Commercial Art Course, and those are from like I think it's like 1962, and it's taught by people like Rube Goldberg wow. and. It's like the golden age of comic artists yes. teaching this correspondence course. It's absolutely incredible. What it really comes back to is like the importance of the fundamentals of design. Right. Because the tool, the tools have changed, but the fundamentals are essentially the same. Uh, switching gears a little bit here. Um, if you could give any advice to yourself, like kind of starting out, and I, I, I know that you've, you've played it pretty well, um, and, and definitely uh, you've inspired a lot of people. Um, but what would your advice be? Like if you can go back in a time machine, speaking of nostalgia and talk to yourself and give yourself some advice, um, what, what would that be? Or would you have, or do you think that like you are where you are now because of your mistakes or would you have gone back and done a few things differently? Oh, it's all about mistakes. Like if you don't make mistakes, then you're not really learning anything, right? Like you're just treading water and it's, so it's about like, Make, making mistakes, accepting that you're going to make mistakes and continuing to push through them because um, a lot of people don't. They just give up. They get dejected. Um, they uh, switch professions. They just yeah. switch professions, walk away from it, whatever. And I've, I've switched professions, you know, um, and that's largely through discovering more, like making that mistake, realizing this is not what I want to do design and illustration is bang now i'm going to do that and just like working for it and also having like i wouldn't have wanted to be i wouldn't want to do have been told this advice because i just inherently approach things like this but having this like delusional wild-eyed vision of my abilities and how far they will get me, I think is really important. Like people should not be afraid to like email their heroes, like apply for jobs that no one in their right mind would give them because you need like another five years experience yep. um, before you're even like would even be considered for that position. Like email your dream client and being like, Hey, I want to work for you. Um, even though you essentially have no skills like that is really important. Like, don't be afraid to embarrass yourself by 
doing that stuff, it will be embarrassing to look back on right. some of the stuff that you, like some of the emails that you sent to people and the people who you asked for advice because you always know so much less than you think you do. But right. I do think that's important. And if you don't, like you kind of have to give no fucks when you're starting out mm-hmm. and just go for it and make mistakes and not care what people think um, and just push through those mistakes and that will that will yield results over yeah. time. If you're an up-and-comer and, and you're getting there, you're not like, you know, really sought after yet, but you feel like your skills are coming together. People like that definitely shouldn't be afraid to reach out to podcasts that realistically, or, you know, or magazines, realistically, they're not going to be published in or interviewed on. But it's a great exercise to do mm-hmm. because that knockback or, you know, being ignored, it's going to make it so much easier the next time. Right. Um, so I, I do, yeah, again, I, I just think that's, you know, don't go and annoy the crap out of people <laughs> by, uh, yeah. you know, obsessively emailing them with, uh, you know, stupid questions and wasting their time. But definitely there's, there's time and a place for like a little bit of, delusion and stepping out of your comfort zone yep and when you get and when you get that email back like i remember one time i was i was at my grandparents house in massachusetts and i was reading michael beirut's how to um he's one of my favorite designers in the world i think that his name has come up more than any other designer on this podcast i'm a huge fan Mm. um he was when i was in school now I know him, so it's normal, and I just think, I understand he's like a normal guy. But at the time that I wrote this email to him, he was like a god in my mind. Mm. And I remember, like, I was at my I was at my grandpa's house, and I was like bored, and they all go to bed at like eight o'clock, and I was like reading this book, and I was just enthralled with it, and I was overcome with it, like I have to write him an email. So I like poured myself like a Jameson, and I was like, here we go, and I wrote the email, and the next morning. I, I woke up and at 5:45 a.m. I got a I got a note back from Michael Beirut saying that he would love to come on the podcast. Awesome. Yep. And it's like that's how it goes. You know what I mean? It's like I could have I could have not sent it. I could have been like, oh, like I have no business talking. But then I got that email and I was like, wow. And I think he was like it's, guest number six on this podcast. And now we're at 50. So just goes to show yeah, you that's the, awesome. the momentum that came from that experience. You know? Yeah. And sometimes it is like asking you shall receive. It's just, it depends on what the question is. And, you know, like, here's a spoiler. If you email me and ask me for all of my tips on how to replicate my work, you are going to be promptly ignored. Yep. Simple as that. If your email is rude or demanding or you're essentially emailing me asking me to do your university assignment for you i'm not going to respond but like i like i love helping out with you know like answering questions and providing guidance and stuff like that i think that's people did that for me when i was totally clueless yeah. oh my god so embarrassing to think back on some of those <laughs> uh times you know and like work experience i did and places that i went and volunteered my time at had no idea what I was doing, but people gave me the time of day and they wanted to share their experience with me. And I think for all designers, as they progress through their year, their career, I think it's really important to give back in that way. 
um, and not just be, well, I've made it now so I can just right. cruise along and, you know, and to an extent, like, the texture supply is a little bit about that, you know, like, I, I think some of the stuff that I've learned along the way, it's kind of too good to keep to myself. Right. And some of that stuff is a little bit mind-blowing to people and it's kind of I, I remember when I learned some of those techniques it was super mind-blowing and I learned them through people like sharing just little tips and tricks with me right um and I was just like oh my god this like I would never have figured this out on my own yeah and it doesn't hurt to share that stuff um yep particularly if it's not like here's a step-by-step guide how to replicate my work. Yeah. Because essentially people who want to like rip off your work, if their skills are decent enough, they're going to do it anyway. They don't yeah. care about you and they don't need to ask you how to do it. So And they're a hack um, and no one will respect them because it will be obvious. Yeah, totally. Exactly. This has been so awesome. It's been fun. Uh, where can people find you uh, online? I know, obviously, True True Grit and Kindred Studio. So you can find me at um, kindredstudio.net is my website. Uh, TrueGritTextureSupply.com is where you can find all the texture brushes and that kind of thing. If you are at all interested in learning about like kind of old school analog techniques for making textures of your own, um, I have a class on Skillshare, which just search true grit on Skillshare. Um, unfortunately, you'll have to listen to me drone on and be a little bit awkward on camera, but that, you know, I'm sure you're it. it was fun. It's the Rob Johnson stamp of approval. Oh, okay, cool. That's great. Well, you know, that's like, that's very, um, that means nothing, but very high. <laughs> no, I think it, it's, I think it means a lot. And then in terms of what's happening now, so I guess like I recently moved to Los Angeles from Australia, so I'm just kind of finding my footing here and, in terms of what I'm working on now, um, just kind of trying to work on like a lot of personal work, a few select um, commercial projects that mostly come in through um, my agent, the Jackie Winter Group, and then you know, a few direct clients. <laughs> hey, Bianca, hope you're listening. My um, first Australian like, friend was right. Bianca. Yeah, she's fantastic. And like a, a shout out to the Jackie Winter podcast, which is called Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. Right. Um, that is fantastic. It features. Um, I'm so good uh, at that. Sounds awesome. It's really, really good. It's Bianca uh, Lara, who's another producer there, and the founder of Jackie Winter, Jeremy Wartsman. Um, really, really great podcast about the business side of illustration and creative production. Highly recommended. Just felt like an insight into more the. Uh, the really difficult business side of working as an illustrator or photographer or topographer or whatever. It's um, it's it's excellent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's about it. I'm in. Well, Cheers. Yeah. Bye. Smile.